Hey, this is Sean Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans are very passionate. Are ready, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans are very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucked. Don't an unbeliever. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everyone. What's up, everybody? Hope everyone's pretty safe. And calling in today live. Back with us from the Wookiee compound, the man, the myth, the legend, the majestic beast, Nicholas Kronk. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you? I know there was a little bit of technical issues last week. We had some call-ins. The coronavirus actually is affecting audio even. We're happy to hear that Wookiee's safe. We know the Wookiee species is a very tight-knit species. You guys are hunkered down in the Wookiee lair. Everyone's safe and sound. Right, Kronk? Absolutely. Everybody's doing well so far, yep. Last week we had Ben in with us and Stefan with us. They will be back with us soon. I thought they did a great job last week, Mike. But let's get right into it. We got a fantasy episode here to hit people with. They're at home, Mike. We're about to get to the NFL draft. The beginnings, the rumblings, the first little shifts in people's minds towards mm-hmm. thinking about fantasy football normally happens around the draft because you go, oh, this team got this guy. This team got this quarterback. This guy's more valuable now. They have a better offensive line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The NFL draft we're going to break down next week and the week after that, obviously. Before that, though, Mike, a few jet topics to get to. Hit him, Mike! It is now time for... Hello, what's up, everybody? Mike's. You're a professional. I'm a professional. News app. Devastation to the locker room. Notes. It's the home of the Jets! Hey, Darrell Rivas got named to the NFL's All-Decade team. How about that, huh? That's pretty good news there. Uh, Darrell Rivas is probably the greatest jet cornerback i've ever seen i'm sure most of our fans would say the same so that was really great news he got he got voted in there and it looks like uh chad pennington also was talking about um not just darrell revis's value but uh he was talking about what the jets may do regarding the draft and receiver especially that the fact that we may take a committee approach and not get that one big top receiver like a cd lamb or jerry judy so i thought his comments were very interesting yeah, no, basically what Pennington's thinking is that if that's the thought process for the Jets, then what he's thinking is they draft that monster offensive lineman round one, maybe grab another one of these really talented wide receivers in the second or third round when we have more picks. Just because the, the wide receiver position in this draft, especially Mike, and opposed to the, the past, say, two or three years, absolutely stacked. So you probably yes. can, you're not, I'm, I know maybe you don't get the same name value in the second or third round. Doesn't mean you don't get the same talent level. We know plenty of great receivers that have been drafted down there in the second round that have gone on to be tremendous third round. Jets haven't been able to snag one of those guys in God knows how long. We were talking about this earlier, Mike, and I'm trying to think, not counting Sam, of course. Sanchez, the last real high-level offensive player we selected that we were all really excited about. I mean, it has to be Mark Sanchez, right? I mean, is that the last one? Probably, yeah. I mean, so we haven't drafted an offensive guy in the first round besides, obviously, Sam Darnold. 
uh, since, yeah, Mark Sanchez. Of course, Sam, but, but, but prior to Sam, yeah, you had Smith maybe in the second who uh, didn't really pan out at receiver. You know, going back, there was Santana Moss. So the Jets really haven't taken anybody from offense noteworthy. So I'm sure that if Joe Douglas decides to go receiver in the first round and take a Judy or a Lamb or a, or a, a Ruggs, that would be the sexy pick and that would have the headlines and that would have Jet fans going crazy. But is really that the prudent direction? Now, one thing, Brian Billick was talking about Joe Douglas's draft strategy on the NFL Network. And I thought it was very interesting because Joe Douglas, now this GM, is going to take a different approach than let's have you like a, a Mike McCagnan who had maybe 300-plus players on his draft board. Douglas and guys like him are going to have about 100, 150, uh, 200 players at most on their draft board much more streamlined and more understanding and they know the players that they want and uh, according to Brian Billick he's going to be drafting he's going to get input from the head coach but he's not going to take orders from the coach Gase isn't going to say give me Henry Ruggs give me this player or that player he's going to say I need a receiver that does XYZ I need a tackle that does XYZ right and then he's going to have that framework Joe Douglas he'll look at it study it and then he will draft the players that he feels meet those requirements and provide them to the team. So I thought that was very interesting, and I'm very excited to see what he's going to do in the next few weeks when the NFL draft comes. I understand. Coach, GM, you want them working in sync with each other, in lockstep with each other. You want the coach to say, here's what I need to be successful, and the GM go out and get it done. But do we have faith that Adam Gase has some vision of what is successful in the NFL considering you know, his track record with the Dolphins, no, um, no. his track record last year with us, which was not great. Our offense was putrid. Uh, when Sam came back, yeah, they were no, a little I bit know. better, but <laughs> I didn't see him do anything as the year went on that was um, revolutionary or amazing, or he, he wasn't creative when we didn't have Sam. Our offense was pathetic, and I know maybe the talent wasn't there, but that's the only part of that equation that frightens me is being so reliant on the coach when the coach is the one that we have, Mike. The ABG Fantasy Football Show Episode 1 Alright, so what we're going to hit you with is a fantasy bonanza, the first fantasy episode this year. This week mostly is the big time players in the NFL that have changed locations. Now we know the big one, we know Brady, we know Hopkins, we know Gordon, a whole bunch of different guys change location here in the offseason, yeah. and it does affect fantasy. It affects wide receivers. It affects players' value. A guy like Brady going to Tampa Bay, considering how much they threw the ball last year, I agree with in that. comparison to being in New England, a big-time difference yeah, to me go. in value for Brady. I think he's going to be a little bit more valuable of a quarterback. Conversely, that may affect the receivers in Tampa Bay just because historically Brady's a guy that does like to spread the ball out where there was a ton of targets last year for Godwin and Evans, both tremendous receivers. But maybe this year Howard gets the ball a little bit more. Maybe some other guys get the ball more. So that's what we're going to get into today. Before we start blasting Bill O'Brien and talk about DeAndre Hopkins, Mike, let's just get right into Brady because finally, I mean, if you guys want to go back to the archives, listen to Mike Mike's amazing rendition of Brady Goodbye. You know, he was beautifully done by Michael Garris. Um, we've been waiting for this. I, I don't mind at all. 
having joy that he's leaving. You, you know, we should have joy as Jet fans that he's leaving. Like I said, if you're my age, I'm going to be 40 soon. In my life, I've had to see Jim Kelly and Dan Marino and Peyton Manning and then Tom Brady. So why don't I get a run of there being just a bunch of jabronis in my division? Can I have some of that? Can I get a taste of that? Can I get a run? Can I get Josh Allen scrub ass for three more years? Please start, Jack. Please throw Stidham at me next year, Patriots. Please do. Uh, but before we get into all that, you know, let's talk about Tom Brady. Uh, Mike, I want to hear what you got to say. When it comes to his fantasy value next year, Tom Brady always is a good asset. You know he's not going to hurt your team in fantasy. The past couple years, you know, I'm going to ask Wookie and ask Mike. I'll, go, I'll ask you first, Wookie, what you think. The past couple years of Brady, you know he's not... A guy that's going to throw 50 touchdowns, but he's going to be solid. He's not going to turn the ball over in the regular season as a fantasy asset. Probably get you close to 30 touchdowns every year. Not going to put up those massive passing yards anymore because what the Patriots do is when they get a lead, they just run the clock out. So, But moving now to Tampa Bay, Wook, with the new offense that loves to air it out with all the weapons he has, with O.J. Howard down there who's been a bit of a disappointment, but maybe with Brady he could take a step up. What do you think going into next season, Wook? Where do you have him ranked and so far? As your quarterbacks go, do you have Brady in the top ten now? Uh, yeah, I think I think he cracks the top ten. You know, I put him somewhere between five and ten. There, I, I mean, I don't have a specific list as of yet, but that sounds about right. Uh, I think he's upgraded offensively. Obviously, his weapons are a lot better now. Air, um, Arians is going to be what Arians is going to be. He's going to tailor that offense around with Tom as well and protecting him. So, I think uh, Tampa Bay is going to be much better this year than they were last year, and that's going to be a lot to do with. Brady coming over. Now, do you think there's going to be any effects here? I think there's any negative effects for Evans and Godwin? Just, and I'm just saying this in the fact of last year, Winston looked at them like every single play, basically. And for, for good reason, those guys are absolutely ridiculous. So you should be looking for them. They're both great receivers. Do you think with Brady in there, either of those guys take a dip? Or you think they're right about the same? Probably both take a dip uh, because Brady does spread the ball out. He's going to use Howard more often, I think, this year. Which will be good for Howard as well, but uh, they're still going to be they're still going to be top flight receivers, both of them. Also, and, uh, also with the running backs, you got to think how often Brady throws to the running backs, at least in New England. Of course, I mean, um, I- I'm a little upset now that I got rid of uh, Ronald Jones this second. <laughs> <laughs> he might uh, he might actually have the the, the year this year. Um, so, and that could be that could be much attributed to Brady passing the ball out of the backfield as yeah. well. And now we know there's no one on earth that has more disdain in his heart for Tom Brady than Michael Lagaris. Mike, what do you see going on next year for Brady in Tampa Bay? You think it's going to be um, an increase in him offensively with his stats? Do you think he's going to be right about the same? I don't know, man. I mean, last year he was the 17th ranked quarterback in fantasy on an average basis. He averaged about 16.5 points per game with his offense and in that Patriot on that Patriot team. Um, he's now going to a team that has more weapons, but the quarterback that he's replacing was the ninth, uh, had the ninth most points scored on average, 19.1, and that was Jameis Winston. Um, is he going to be as good as Jameis or from a fantasy perspective? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to see Jameis just didn't care. I mean, this dude would throw an interception and he just would just keep chucking and, you know, he would have games, four or five touchdown games. I don't know if Tom Brady's going to be slanging it like that. And you got guys like Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is going to have a much better year this year, next year, I believe. Uh, Carson Wentz, even Daniel Jones, 
who all uh, potentially are going to increase their value um, coming next year. So I don't know if it's a slam dunk that Tom Brady is going to be a top 10. I think he's going to be anywhere from, you know, 8 to around 15-ish. And I think that he'll be a serviceable quarterback. I don't think he's one of those top guys that you're going to want to go after. But I do believe because he's accurate and understands the game of football, he may not have the strongest arm. He'll be able to utilize his weapons um, very similar to the way he was able to use his weapons in New England. One thing you know that's not going to happen with Brady is he's not going to throw 30 interceptions. So, I mean, Jameis threw, and he fumbled it. I think I lost nine fumbles last year. So you're talking about 40 turnovers for Jameis. So in fantasy, you're looking about negative 80 points right there, right, guys? So so Jameis had about, I think he had 30 touchdowns, a little more than that last year. Brady can do that, but he's not going to have the turnovers. So even if he doesn't have the same yardage, which I doubt he does, I think points-wise, he might be able to still be in the range of Winston just because of that, what I just mentioned, just a lack of turnovers there. Now, do you think in New England, let's go back to New England for a second. Now, Brady's gone. We don't know what they're doing at quarterback. They might make a move in the draft. They might get one of these free agents. They might bring Newton in. Who knows what the Patriots are going to do? But... Do you think Harry, Mike, has taken a dip? He didn't really get a chance to get going last year. Um, had some injuries, so kind of an incomplete for him last year. Now there's going to be some uncertainty at quarterback. What do you think his value is right now in fantasy football for anyone who's maybe in a keeper league or anyone that's maybe for looking for a late sleeper in the draft? Do you think Nikhil Harry still has any value there for the Pats? Who, who did you say? Harry from the Pats. I, I don't know who that is. <laughs> that dude... Is a scrub. Oh, he's not going anywhere. Uh, he he was go. supposed to be uh, a number one type prospect, come in and do his thing, and he was an absolute disappointment. And you could just go to New England uh, newspapers and blogs, and they can't stand Nikhil Harry on what he would what he did last year. And now he's going to have Josh Stidham or some other scrub thrown to him. Next year, I, I as a dynasty, I, I mean, he's Laquan Treadwell esque. Whoa! Now hold on. Now we got the Wookie. We got the Wookie here on the line. He in a, in a, in our dynasty league, the SCFL. Wookie happens to own the rights to Nikhil Harry. Wookie, please weigh in. Look, the kid, the kid was hurt last year, and now all of a sudden, because a forty-eight-year-old quarterback went somewhere else, his career's over. Not, like how much, how much longer did? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's what, that's what you hear, the rumblings coming out of New England. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. It's not Tom Brady, so it's, it's fine with me. Now, let's, let's get into... Let's get into the Texans and the move they made. And if Michael, as we know, everybody is located down there in Houston with his wonderful, beautiful wife, Tabitha, huge Texan fan. Nobody's really that excited with this DeAndre Hopkins trade. I didn't see... An NFL analyst that thought it was a good trade. I didn't see a blog mention, Mike, for anywhere in Houston, any of the ones I read that thought it was a good trade. I didn't hear from you it was a good trade or your wife was a huge Texan fan. Every single one of our friends didn't get it. Mike, is there any way you can explain this trade? Now, we're going we're gonna to get back to fantasy in a moment, but just the trade itself that went down with Hopkins, subsequently the trade for Cooks. How do you make sense of this at all? The only sense I can make is Bill O'Brien takes things personally and he take or 
let's just say he makes decisions that are not just about football. He shouldn't be a general manager. And this is what happens when you have someone who's incompetent running your front office. He makes decisions that are franchise changing. A guy like Hopkins, a talent like Hopkins, you would never, ever let get away from you. You would pay that man whatever he's needed and you'd keep him happy, especially somebody not only who produces on the field, but also is someone who's a representative of your team and of the sport off the field. And he is a guy, DeAndre Hopkins, who's done very well in Houston. The fans love him. The town loves him. He's respectful. You never hear a word out of him. But Bill O'Brien has beef. This He makes a deal like this, and ultimately it made the Texans weaker. So my wife is not happy about it. A lot of people who work down here are not happy about it. I think it was a terrible move, and I don't think the Texans are going to be anything until they get rid of Bill O'Brien. DeAndre Hopkins, as we know, guys, one of the best receivers in the league. He has been for a really long time. I mean, he's in the top three at least, right? Minimum. And then you got a guy like Cooks, basically they swapped him for, who's a good receiver. He's not a bad receiver, but he's a guy that has a horrible contract considering the amount of output he gives you. I want to throw this at you guys real quick with Bill O'Brien. So um, they've made, since the end of last year, they've made about 12 trades, the Texans. They've been out of their minds with trades, but three of them really stand out. One of them was the trade that sent Davion Clowney to Seattle. Now, they got a third-round pick, and they got they got Mingo, who's not bad, but they got two outside linebackers and a third-round pick for Jadavion Clowney. Who's one of the elite, one of the elite defensive ends in the league? They got a third round pick for him. Okay, that that's worse than the Hopkins trade. Okay, then you go and you say, all right, they traded last year before the season for Laramie Tunsil. Um, Larry Tunsil, tremendous player. Okay, a Pro Bowl. He's a great offensive lineman. But they traded two first round picks and a second to get him. Then didn't negotiate a contract with this dude before the season started. They go into the season last year, he makes the Pro Bowl. Now he's coming into this year with one year left on his contract. Going to probably end up being the highest paid offensive lineman in NFL history. Because you had no foresight. And then you go to this Hopkins deal. Um, Hopkins in a fourth goes over to, to Arizona for a second. David Johnson in a fourth. Like Wook said, David Johnson I think could still be... Could still give you a little something, but at this point in his career, I don't know what David Johnson is. I don't know what he's going to give you. I don't know what his skill level. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't. And I'll tell you right now. I think I would say David Johnson is, is from a fantasy standpoint, um, next year would be anywhere from fifteen to twenty-five. On the running back uh, value chart, I would probably put him there. I'd probably put him. Let's see. I'd probably put him uh, around where James Conner, Le'Veon Bell, uh, like Joe Mixon-ish, maybe around there. You know, like 18, 19. You know, that that's probably maybe even farther. It just depends on his health. I know he's going to be a lead back, but I, I wouldn't take him anywhere near the third. I'm- David Johnson in 2020, he's an 11 million dollar cap hit. That's a huge number. And then in 2021, he's a nine million dollar cap hit. Cooks, you're looking at eight million in 2020, 12 million 2021, 13 million 2022. Now I know none of these th- these these amounts are guaranteed, but these are amounts that when you cut a guy really are going to affect you cap-wise, and you gave up so much to get 
both those guys, you're probably not going to cut them or you'll look like an idiot. So you're taking up a huge amount of cap space with Brandon Cooks and David Johnson. Right. And you traded for Carlos Hyde last year and you already had DeAndre Hopkins. I don't I don't understand that, but when it comes to fantasy football, now DeAndre Hopkins has a new landing spot. He's in Arizona. He's out there with Murray. Murray last year, decent, could run the ball. You know, as the year went on, Mike, kind of waned a little bit. Beginning of the year, I think he was a little bit better. Do you think Hopkins is going to be about the same out there in Arizona? Last year, he only finished with about 1,100 yards because teams were just quadruple team Hopkins because they had no other threats at all um, when it came to the passing game. Fuller can never stay healthy. They have no other no other wide receiving weapons. They have no tight end. So when it comes to the Texans, I think they obviously take a big time dip fantasy-wise, I think, because Cooks is a major drop-off yes. from DeAndre yes. Hopkins. But when it when it comes to the Cardinals, what do you guys think? Do you think Hopkins is going to be about the same he's always been? He'll still be that num- a top five receiver? Well, if you look at last year, Michael Thomas was far and away the best receiver in fantasy, averaging about 23.4 points a game. Chris Godwin was number two, 19.7, and then Julio at 18.3, and Hopkins right after him at 17.9. I think that Godwin and Evans, and Evans was actually tied with Hopkins as far as points go. I think that Godwin and Evans are going to take a step back on the points because of Brady. Um, So I believe that and then if you look at the other receivers you're looking at Devonte adams and cooper cup and keenan allen keenan allen obviously is going to take a drop as well i would say that hopkins is probably going to stay around the same place i can't see another receiver maybe a tyreek hill could catch him or potentially even a kenny galladay could have a breakout season you know, I'm not. Amari Cooper's kind of been a disappointment. I really don't see anybody else uh, taking Hopkins' value, except for maybe Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, and maybe uh, Tyreek Hill, Devonte Adams. So yeah, I would say five. His his floor would be six at best. But what do you think, Wook? No, I, I agree. I don't think there's going to be um, any drop off at all. I mean, it might take a while for him to get going. Um, as far as being with the new team, but as long as they are targeting him like they were uh, in Houston or a little bit, even a little bit less than that there, because I know they've got a couple other options too, but nothing like a Hopkins. I don't think he's gonna his play is going to drop off uh, at all. All right, now when we flip over to the Texans here and we talk fantasy, Deshaun Watson obviously is the number one weapon they have when it comes to fantasy football, the number one player they have that is going to be on people's minds when it comes to value after this, after this Hopkins trade. Do you guys think... Now, it's not like... Now, Watson's tremendous, and I love that dude as a player. I've loved him since Clemson. I think he's absolute money, especially when the game is on the line and the big moments of the game. He is so good. But when you have Cooks and you have... What do they have? They have Cooks, they have Cobb, they have Fuller, they have Stills. Mm-hmm. None of these guys are elite. Wide you got Duke Johnson. Out of the backfield. <laughs> tremendous, right? But another weapon they have, but when we look at wide receivers, they don't have a number one. Right. They have a whole bunch of number twos. If we're being fair, we can call Fuller a two. In reality, he can't play. He doesn't play any game. He doesn't string together five healthy games at all. Um, we were talking about that on our chat today. The dude's most games he's played in his whole career in a season's eleven. So uh, you can't. I don't think you can count on Fuller. I love him coming out of the game. Don't get me wrong, coming out of ND, but you can't count on him. Stills is Stills. He's okay. I think Cooks is the most talented receiver they have. But uh, to be honest, guys, slot receivers like, but that position they have Randall Cobb. 
So, I mean, and, and Cooks is much better than Cobb, but, like, that position's kind of a dime a dozen. Like, like, let me ask you this question. Is he so much better than Jamison Crowder? Value-wise, I couldn't disagree with you. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, and I know he's better, don't get me wrong. I know he's a better receiver, and he's more valuable in fantasy. I just mean, like, look at their two contracts, and look at what they traded to get that guy, and we just signed Crowder as a free agent. And he was tremendous last year, so I don't know what they're doing. I think the Hopkins is going to be, still be just as good out there with the Texans. I think Watson's going to take a dip. I think now, I think Watson's it. definitely going to take a dip. He was number two average last year, and I think Dak, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and yeah, and and maybe Kyler Murray. I, I'm not a believer in Kyler Murray. I mean, it's hard with him. It's just he's so small. I, it's hard for me to just just believe in this cat because he's so tiny. But he he does have an array. Son, he looks so frail. But he does have an array of weapons, and he's going to go into second year. So I could see Watson falling, falling to maybe six, maybe five, six. You know, because um, w- he, he was because Watson before this trade, guys. I think, and you could put him in whatever order you want. To me, the best three fantasy quarterbacks is Mahomes, Jackson, and Watson. And I had them in whatever. And obviously, obviously Russell Wilson is ridiculous. There's other guys you can argue up. But to me, those are the three best guys. I think Watson's going to take a step back this year just because of these trades. Now let's get into some Jet-related fantasy stuff or, or ex-Jet-related fantasy stuff. Robbie Anderson goes from the New York Jets down to the Carolina Panthers. You're going to have Teddy Bridgewater slinging him the ball down there. What do we think about his fantasy prospects? Now, Robbie's a big-time hit-or-miss fantasy guy. And Mike knows Mike's an owner of Robbie Anderson in our league. And he knows that's a guy you could put in. He could have 130 yards and two touchdowns. Or he can go three weeks and have no touchdowns and heads down to Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater, more of a game manager type quarterback, has never thrown for big yards in his career. But he's going to get a chance to start down there. He's going to be the guy. Cam's out. Teddy's in. What are you thinking, Mike, when it comes to Robbie Anderson's fantasy value? Do you think that he would have had more value if he stayed here with Sam, with the Jets, and a more familiar offense? Already had a little bit of a rapport there with Sam. Or do you think going down there to Carolina where he's going to be the number one, even though he was the number one here, but going down there to Carolina with Teddy Bridgewater as the number one, do you see him as, I guess he's going to actually be the number two if you think about it. Moore is kind of their number one to me. But do you think he has more fantasy value now or less, Mike, with the move? I think that he would have had better fantasy value with the Jets because he was their best weapon. Now, I know the Jets may go ahead and draft a number one receiver, but I'm just talking about status quo. Him going to Carolina, he does have some familiarity with Bridgewater when Bridgewater was here on the Jets as the backup quarterback, so they did have some play together. Um, Moore is the number one over there, and Curtis Samuels, supposedly the Carolina Panthers are starting to shop. I Right now, again, Teddy Bridgewater, like you said, is not a gunslinger. He's not somebody that throws for tremendous, tremendous yardage, but he is accurate, and he will be able to find Robbie um, as Robbie is able to, with his best feature, take the top off a of defense. So I think that Robbie's value has gone down in fantasy, but definitely has potential to uh, be st- the same or increase depending on the moves that they make over there. So I know he understands the offense. I know he knows the coach. Um, I think that he's in a good situation as far as the culture and and the, the team supporting him. But I do feel that another a third year with Sam would have been better for him professionally and also better for him in fantasy. 
Yeah, I agree. What do you think? What, what do you think of Robbie Anderson down there, the new Carolina Panther? I think he's going to have a, a, a pretty good season if he can stay healthy. Uh, I think they'll get him the ball a bunch of times down there. And you're right, he's hit or miss. Um, but when he hits, like you said, he can get 130 yards and two touchdowns, and that'll help out uh, I mean, any anybody any week. So I think he's going to be all right down there. Yeah, now the Jets' new weapon we have. Now, the draft hasn't come yet. I think we're going to get ourselves a receiver in the draft as well, but the Jets went ahead and signed Brashad Perryman to the, to the squadron. End of last year, filling in for Mike Evans, Mike, he was really good. Uh, the last three games of the season, he had over 100 yards. Five games in a row as a starter where he absolutely killed it. You know, he's actually he actually had a faster time, 40 time, than Robbie Anderson did when he was in the draft. Much higher draft prospect. Little bit bigger guy. He's got an, he's an inch shorter than Robbie, but he's 215 pounds as opposed to 180 pounds at the same exact age. Now, I know he's had some injuries throughout his career, obviously, which is why he was out there as a free agent. Perryman comes in with a lot of the same skill set as Robbie Anderson, a little bit bigger guy, unproven, doesn't have all the credentials on the resume as a Robbie Anderson. But I think in in the right situation, if we get ourselves another receiver, Mike, I think he can be just as valuable as Robbie. Robbie only gives you 700 yards a year, basically. Pretty much what he averaged throughout his career. Why can't Brashad Perryman do that if he's healthy all year, Mike? Brashad Perryman is somebody who has a larger frame, has the same type of breakaway speed, and has shown flashes of good value in very small spurts. Now, his five-game stretch last year to end the year was actually better than any five-game stretch that Robbie Anderson had in his entire career. And Robbie, I mean, uh, Perriman, depending on what happens in the draft, Perriman could be a breakout candidate next year. Um, He was a first-round draft pick, as discussed before, in our uh, past uh, topics, he was a first-round pick, 2015. Um, we know Joe Douglas was in the room for that. He understands his skill set. He understands his character. Um, this is a guy that it looks like uh, Adam Gase, the team, really likes how he's going to be incorporated into the offense. And honestly, from a fantasy standpoint, I would say that Perriman, if, if you, Keith, were to say, yo, I'll trade you... Perriman for Robbie straight up right now, I probably would do it. I think he's comparable talent. I, I don't, we don't know exactly where he's going to be, but just the, the framework of the New York Jet offense, I think Perriman right now would be a right around the same value as a Robbie Anderson, in my opinion. I think because emotions attached, maybe we overvalued some Jet fans, Robbie, where if you really look at the stats and what he gave you statistically, I mean, he's a lot of receivers give you what Robbie gave you. I mean, yeah. there's he was forty he was forty fifth in yards last year, you know. So I mean, there's there's sixty five guys last year that had more catches than Robbie yeah. Anderson. He played pretty much the whole season. So. Yeah, and this and this narrative about the chemistry between Sam Darnold and Robbie Anderson, you know, Jameson Crowder, his very first year coming to the Jets was more valuable of a receiver than Robbie Anderson was, right? In one year, so. So saying that it's impossible or it's so hard to replace the value that Robbie Anderson gave, I, I don't see it. I, I don't. Just to your point, he never had more, averaged more than seventy yards a game. He never had a thousand yard season. He never had more than seven touchdowns in in a season. I mean, and he averaged less than four receptions a game his entire career. I'm 
I mean, I think you could grab a guy in the second, third round, and, and, and that rookie's first season could do and put up the same numbers that Robbie did. Yeah, and I'm not hating. He, he could he, obviously he could stretch the defense. Very valuable asset in this league. We know what he could do. But to me, it was just limited, and the amount of money that Carolina got him for wasn't too crazy. But um, I think Perriman can do the same things and be just as valuable of an offensive weapon. One player that I think was a bust last season, but I think is going to be a bounce back candidate is Le'Veon Bell. I believe with what they have done at the line and especially potentially drafting a tackle in the first round, uh, that line is going to be better from a pass perspective, pass protection perspective and from a run blocking perspective. And I think with healthy Herndon blocking and having Griffin blocking, Bell is going to have a much better season in fantasy and he is going to be a bargain when you guys draft coming up next year, in my opinion. And you know what? People remember this, the stat, and we've said this many times on the show. I mean, no running back had less time to run the ball. And what I mean is our offensive linemen held our blocks in running plays for the least amount of time of any offensive line group. So if you took Ezekiel Elliott or you took any running back in this league and you say, okay, you're going to have the least amount of time before defenders in your face of any running back, it's going to be tough to get the job done. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So he was he was put in a tough position last year, and I know he has a lot of detractors because of how the season went, but to me, what I saw was anytime they gave him any room, he made something happen. Yep. And even, even sometimes when he didn't have room, he made things happen. And he still was a little bit of a weapon there in the passing game. I don't know how much how much faith the coach has in him from some of the things he said, but if you just get this offensive line to average – Le'Veon Bell's a top 10 running back. I mean, there's just no way around that one. Yeah. Oh, no, of course. I, I, <laughs> I, was, waiting to, I, I was hoping that he would have a bounce back this year. And uh, if, they can, if they can get the offensive line taken care of, get him a little more time, obviously, uh, with the year off, his body's a little, uh, a little in, in my opinion, a little bit more conditioned. And um, he, didn't, he didn't forget how to play football. So he's one of the best running backs in the game. So yeah. I think he's, he's going to have a bounce back this year as well. <laughs> we have some other people that have moved locations. As we know, the Buffalo Bills gave up a ton to get Stefan Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings. To me, I've said this on the show when he was a Viking, Mike. I've said this, as you know, personally to our friends in our fantasy football chat. I think Diggs is wildly overrated football player. And I understand. You look at last year; he had about sixty catches, but and he had a, a lot of. He was a big, you know, a big threat player. Right, can stretch the field. What does Josh Allen do? The worst. He's throw the ball deep. He's the worst at it in the league. So when I saw this trade, I'm gonna let Mike give you guys a stat in a moment that'll make you go, "Oh, really, Bills fans? Oh, really? All you people projecting the Bills to win the division?" Mike has a stat for you, Mike. Why don't you let the world know? Last year. When it comes to Josh Allen and his accuracy, what he was able to accomplish for the second year in a row. For the second year in a row, Josh Allen was the least accurate quarterback in the National Football League among 29 qualifying quarterbacks. His short passes, which are within 0 to 10 yards, 28th in the league. That's garbage. He was 72%. Intermediate, 64.1%. And deep, he was 25%. He was 25.4% accurate. Trash. Trash. 29th, dead last in the National Football League. Deep. Overall, 48.3%, 29th. He 
Look, look, look. I find it so funny with the national media, and and I find it so funny. Like, Stefan Diggs, they're like, oh, they got him a number one. Do you know? I'm going to give you two players, player A and player B. Player A averaged 14.7 fantasy points a game. Player B and averaged 14.1 points on average. That's player A and player B, right? So I'm talking about John Brown and Stefan Diggs. Which one do you think is player A and player B? Uh, you would think Diggs would have the better stats out of those two gentlemen. <laughs> you would think. But that's not the case. But that's not the case. Diggs is actually worse on a better offense. He was worse than John Brown, the receiver that the Bills already have. So you're going to tell me this guy, who's the least accurate quarterback in the league, with an overrated player that they just gave up a first-round draft pick for, Right is now going to be opposite John Brown. Cats that could speed down the, the sidelines to the least accurate quarterback in the league throwing deep. You think that sounds like a recipe of success? I mean, I, I just don't get it with this dude. Darnold went 7-6 and six last year in 13 games with the Jets. He threw one less touchdown than Josh Allen did last year in three less games. He had 60 less passing yards in three less games. And he had about the same QBR and was sacked like a million times more than Josh Allen. <laughs> are you are you people kidding me? Like who the hell I see these things oh the Bills are eighth ranked eighth they're they're a Super Bowl contender. What are you guys smoking over there? What are y'all smoking? Okay, they got Stefan Diggs. Congratulations. The guy was not that great of a receiver. Again, John Brown Ster- let me name you the court receivers that did better than him in fantasy overall. Sterling Shepard did better than him. Tyler Lockett did better than him. Jarvis Landry, Marvin Jones, DJ Shark, Calvin Ridley, Michael Gallup, DJ Moore. All these guys were better than Stefan Diggs. He he was that's right when around. He, and that's when he was on a, a good offense. And that's when he was on a good offense. He had like Tyler Boyd. He was right there with Tyler Boyd and Cortland Sutton as far as, uh, um, you know, averaging fantasy points. So... I don't okay, so I think Stefan Diggs value drops on the Bills, obviously. And I think that Allen's fantasy value will probably be right around the same. I think he's the type of player like a Cam Newton where he's gonna get you points because he runs all the time. I think that he's gonna get schemed more, and I think he'll probably value wise to Josh Allen be about the same as he was last year. I don't think he's gonna you're gonna see any acceleration to his game. He's not a good quarterback. He's just, he's not. No, that, and that's the thing. He's not, in real life, I don't think he's a winning quarterback because he's kind of a mental midget, as we know. Not the sharpest tool in the shed. Makes all types of stupid mistakes. Um, also, when it comes to fantasy football, because of the rushing yards, it makes him valuable. Right. Because if a guy like him is going to run for five or 600 yards, but they throw 20 touchdowns like Cam always did. Go, go, anyone, go go look up Cam Newton's career stats. Besides the year he won the MVP, he's throwing 21, 22, 23, 22 touchdowns every year. He doesn't throw for a lot of touchdowns, Cam. He never did. But in fantasy, he was valuable because of that. So I think Allen will have fantasy value. Now, when it comes to real life, I don't really worry because he's not accurate. Okay, he's not a heady quarterback. He's not a sharp guy. Um, you gave him another deep threat. Last year, Diggs had 60 catches for about 1,100 yards. That's about 17 yards a catch, 18 yards a catch. So he's a deep threat with a quarterback that plays in Buffalo <laughs> in the worst weather in the league who can't hit the side of a barn. I Are mean, what like, else does Buffalo... Diggs is, Diggs is going to be... I'm telling every. Don't even touch Stephon. <laughs> Don't touch him. Don't touch him. Don't. This dude dropped off the map. 
when it comes to fantasy value. When you have a scrub quarterback, when you have a guy that can barely throw for 3,000 yards, that has to use short passes, these bubble screens, if he didn't throw those, his accuracy would be like 40%. Because <laughs> he doesn't, he can't throw the ball downfield to people. You know, and that he's, that's, that's why when it comes to fantasy, like I said, him rushing the ball will keep him a little valuable, but Diggs, I think, fell off the map. I mean, Josh Allen as a quarterback, not going to do too much for you in the passing game. When it comes to the running game, he'll be able to get you some points. But I just think all this talk you hear, Mike, in the offseason about Buffalo and, you know, them being a them being a Super Bowl contender and this and that. I mean, their defense is tremendous, and that will keep you in every game. Right. So I understand. They might not have to score that many points to win games. Last year, their offense, 23rd in points, 24th in yards, 25th in passing yards. And they were 8th in rushing yards because Allen ran the ball a lot, obviously. But when it comes to their running backs, they didn't rush the ball that well either. They didn't do anything well offensively. They were not a good offensive team by any stretch of the imagination at all. Mm-hmm. And the only thing they did was they had a deep threat to a quarterback that really can't throw the ball deep. So the reason they're in games, the reason they're valuable, the reason that team might be good is because of their defense has nothing to do with and, Josh And Allen. think about it. Diggs came from a really good offense. Kirk Cousins is a pretty decent quarterback. And then you got a guy like Thielen, and you got a guy like Cooks. And Cooks is better than anything that the Buffalo Bills have. And Thielen, obviously, is a light years ahead of Beasley. And he's, and he's playing in a dome, not in the conditions in Buffalo. Exactly. Not in the AFC East, where you're playing outside in the coldest part of the country the whole year. I think now... Uh, from a Vikings perspective, I think that Thielen's fantasy value drops because that deep threat is gone, and I think that they're going to be covering him a lot harder. So I think that Thielen's uh, fantasy value drops. I think overall, like this move was really bad for Thielen, it was bad for Diggs. You know, jo- I, 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 we we even talked about Daniel Jones. I'd rather have Daniel Jones over Josh Allen. Oh, in absolutely. My opinion. Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones played 14 games last year, had 24 touchdowns, and was able to run the ball a little bit himself. Yeah. Getting into some other quarterbacks real quick, and then we'll get out of here. A few more guys. Um, Wook, I want to hear your take. Jameis Winston, currently not on a team, replaced by Tom Brady. I don't. You don't have to say where you think he's going to end up, because who the hell knows, but do you think he lands a starting gig next year? Or do you think he's going to start the year off next year? 2020 on somebody's bench, Wook. I think he's going to start out on the bench. Um, I, I don't see many landing spots for him to be a starting quarterback. Uh, I don't think New England has any interest. Uh, just the way he played last year and the way it's been trending, I, I just don't see him getting a starting position next year. Now, Nick, I, you know, if I were, and again, you guys can make fun of me, go ahead and make fun of me. If I were the general manager of the Miami Dolphins, I would look at my cards and I'm like, okay, I got the fifth pick. Burrow's gone. I'm not going to be able to get him. I can go Tua, potentially, but he's got fractured hip status, you know, broken ankles, mad hurt. I just went through all this with Tannehill. Do I want to invest in another quarterback that's injury prone? You know, Carson Wentz was injury prone and look at him, how many times he missed. Or should I go Justin Herbert, machine status as far as has no emotions, no leadership, you know, he's a guy he can throw, but how good is he really? Is he valuable? I would say, you know what? I got all these draft picks. I got a young team, new coach. I'll go grab Jameis Winston, sign him to a three-year deal. Okay. This is what I would do. I would probably, I, I don't know why they signed Fitzpatrick. I would sign Jameis. I would have Rosen backing him up. 
And I would use all those picks to just surround him with weapons and protection, get him receivers, go get him DeAndre Swift in the draft, just grab mad talent around him and be like, all right, Jameis, we're going to rock with you and we're going to rock with Rosen. Rosen hasn't shown anything yet, but screw it. He's the backup. And I'd roll like that. That's what I would do. Mike, I'm just going to throw something at you. Jameis Winston in his career, he's played 72 games. He's thrown 88 interceptions and fumbled the ball 50 times. I know. But he, this he does have This dude is an absolute turnover machine. If you're the Miami Dolphins and you're trying to start over, now, as a Jet fan, I would love it. Sign him up! Bring Jameis Winston in, please. Because you know you know he can have good games, but you know he's not careful with the ball. He's, he's this far into his career, and last year he threw 30 interceptions. His career was on the line last year. I know, but when I look at it, uh, so this is how, and this is how I'm judging it. Um, you know, before he, he, he couldn't see, he was out there playing with no contacts like an idiot. And he would refuse to wear contacts. He just got LASIK done. So who knows what that's going to do. But the way I look at it is like, I can take Tua, Herbert. Do I like those two guys? Or I see a guy who's thrown for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. He can execute. He can. He's proven it. That he can execute at a high level. Now he turns the no, ball over. He Mike, turns he has, the ball he over. Averages two, he averages two turnovers. Like, no, I know that. I, 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 I know that. You're acting like he's operating at this high level and not... No, 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 not no, 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 like, no, no, no. Put it on a scale. His bad crushes his good. It's not even close. It's not comparable. He has the highest turnover rate in the history of a starting quarterback ever. In the history of the league. For anyone that's played the amount of games he's played. So when you say... He threw for 30 yards, 5,000, yeah, because the offense he's in. They throw the ball 50 times a game. He's a volume guy. I think yeah. that's the reason maybe why he had so many picks. But even when he didn't have that amount of attempts, he still turned the ball the, over. The, like The thing, I, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. What I'm saying is this. I'm saying that, okay, this guy got LASIK done. So now he can see. This is the first time this has happened in his career, number one. I don't know if that's going to fix it. I don't know if that's going to fix it, uh, Keith. But I do know that he was out there playing without contacts his entire career and couldn't really see and was just chucking the ball. So that's one. So I'll I'll tell you what that sounds like to me. i got to be honest. He went through his entire career, high school, college, winning Heismans, winning national championships, comes to the pros and plays five years. And a month ago was like, oh my god, I need to get laced. I know. What? I know. Like that does that does not I know. Like I, I, the biggest that, load of I can't crap I can't I life. can't disagree. All I'm saying, I'm just saying this. My main point, what the point that I'm trying to say is that I understand that his bad hurts you know, outweighs his good. I agree with that. What I'm trying to say is the man threw for over five thousand yards, which tells me that he is a quarterback that is able to execute at a high level as far as volume, yards, touchdowns. Now, the turnovers come with it, and it nullifies it. If he could somehow get rid of the turnovers, son, he's top top 10. He's top 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's quarterbacks that don't throw, will never throw for 5,000 yards. Josh Allen, we were just talking about, will never, will never throw for 5,000 yards. You know what I'm saying? This kid can do it. So I feel like, man, if he just has the right situation, I don't know. And you're right. It's a gamble. He has shown that the turnovers, he hasn't learned. But, man, he throws 5,100 yards. My goodness. 
more importantly, separate from that, like, he doesn't win games. He doesn't. So, I mean, that's... Fantasy's what we're talking about. Right. And that's what Mike's talking about. Right. So I understand that. Fantasy-wise, we're talking about fantasy. If you take him, he goes to Miami. Much more valuable asset than any rookie they would take. Oh, absolutely. And I think two is still going to go high in the draft. There's plenty of guys that have had bad physicals. You know someone's going to take him in the top ten. Herbert, you know, plenty of guys that can have no personality have come on and be good. He's kind of a question mark. We'll see what happens at. Uh, we'll see what happens with him as he we looks. Close he looks like draft. a jabroni. He doesn't. I don't have any. He doesn't look like Joe Flacco to me. He looks fine. <laughs> I mean, he's not. Daniel Jones got interviewed and seemed like someone had their hand up his back, and he was like a puppet robot. So I mean, he he managed to do just fine. I think Herbert's a little bit better better prospect than Daniel Jones. So I mean, I, I'm not a judge of book by their cover guy. Sam Darnold didn't wow me with his personality. He's doing just fine in New York. Eli Manning is basically like Andy Griffith, won two Super Bowls. So personality to me doesn't mean anything. Jameis Winston has the greatest personality in the world, and he turns the ball over twice a game. So, I mean, I'll take the most boring quarterback in the world who goes for 4,000 yards a year, but gives me 30 touchdowns, only 10 interceptions. Yeah, you know, that, in, in real life, fantasy, though, Jameis must be so frustrating because he can give you so much. Yeah. He can also give you a negative eight. You know, you never know what you're going to get when it comes to fantasy. One other guy I want to get to before we get out of here when it comes to fantasy, guys, is a big-time name in the world of fantasy for years who now is a free agent, who's putting out posts on Instagram, motivated as hell, gets dropped by a squad, kind of embarrassed. His name is Cam Newton, boys. What do we think about Cam? Similar situation, different type of quarterback, but similar situation to Jameis, much more proven track record. Cam has an MVP. Cam's gotten to the Super Bowl. Um, not that his teams have been that successful. He's three and four in his career in the Super in the in the playoffs. So his playoff stats aren't great, but in the in the regular season, fantasy wise, he's always been a really good asset because of the running game. I don't know if that's part of his repertoire anymore, like it used to be. Last year, we know kind of been incomplete. The year before, he was able to run the ball a little bit, but wasn't the same type of quarterback. Now, when Cam is inaccurate, guys, if he's operating around fifty five percent. He's not a val- he's not a valuable fantasy asset because he he's not somebody that gets a lot of yardage, but he would always get you around twenty touchdowns. But rush for five, six, seven hundred yards, rush for five or six TDs. What do you guys think? Do you see Cam? He has a, probably a better chance than Jameis, but do you see him ending up as a starter next year? So so you didn't really enjoy my uh, Miami Dolphin GM. Let me put my Bills GM hat on. If I were the general manager of the Buffalo Bills, I would sign Cam Newton and have Josh Allen back up and if they did that I would then say they could be a Super Bowl potential team because that offense is built around a guy like Cam Newton and Cam is light years ahead of Josh Allen as a quarterback. I think he's going to end up on a team. I don't know where. He needs to go to a team like Buffalo that has an offense built for him. No, I know what you mean. That's like, Mike, that sounds nuts, right? But <laughs> think about Honestly. it. They're the same type of quarterback, yeah. right? Same yeah. size. Cam is just probably a lot better than Allen. Cam's, Cam's hat, I mean, a couple years ago, he had a really high completion percentage, which Bennett's mentioned, but he had 5,000 two-yard passes to Christian McCaffrey. When, when you looked at the rest of his passes, he was just as inaccurate as he always has been. But... That's still more accurate than Josh Allen, and I think Cam's a much better player. Um, I just he's one of the more intriguing free agents that's still out there, guys, because because of what he's done in the past, because of the fantasy stats he's put up. You know, whatever team he goes to, if that team doesn't have a hundred percent locked in starter, that teams that the fans love that the GM is behind, 
all you're going to hear is rumblings about Cam taking his job, right? So that's one of those deals, man. Cam has the most juice of anyone that's out there still um, as a free agent. I don't know if he's going to end up as a starter either, though. It seems like we're kind of late in the game here, right, boys? The draft's coming up. I don't see him going to New England, and I don't know anywhere else that he's a great fit as a starter right now. It just it's, it's just a strange situation with Cam, man. His fall from grace there and how fast that turned. Yeah, no, it's going to be... I mean, um... He might be able to, uh, what about the charges? You think he could, uh, he could do something up there? That's a good, that's one of the, that's not a bad choice. I think the Chargers could, if they wanted to, draft a quarterback and bring Cam in. You know, I know, I know they have, uh, they got Tyrod out there, but we know what Tyrod is, guys. He's kind of a placeholder guy. He's not somebody that's an elite quarterback. He's more of a game manager type quarterback. Um, if that team wants to go to the next level and rebuild, why not bring Cam in? Why not let him start a few years and draft someone and let them learn? Say they drafted, um, a Herbert Mike and you keep him out there on the West Coast. He doesn't have to start right away. That might be the best case scenario for them. You know, say you draft somebody like a Tua, maybe he's not a hundred percent healthy last year. You keep hearing from his people, of course, that he's healthy. We know he passed most of the physicals. A couple teams didn't pass him. So, uh, maybe he sits on the sideline behind a guy like him. He's a different quarterback. Um, to a big time arm down the field like Cam used to have, likes to scramble. So who knows? That might not be too crazy of an option. Might not be. We'll have to see where all of that goes. I don't think it sounds like, from what I heard, Tyrod is the guy out there in San Diego. But uh, Cam will end up somewhere, and so, so will Jameis. They'll end up somewhere. They're gonna wait after the draft, and you know, probably training camps will start, and then they'll have to take their turn. Who knows? Maybe even Oakland, if David Derek Carr isn't able to get his act together over there. You know, who knows? There's a, a Jimmy G over there in San Francisco, still on shaky soil. The Chicago Bears. There's a couple of teams out there that ha- don't have their quarterbacks really solid around them. So we'll have to see. And never let out, never uh, leave out Washington, the Washington Redskins, because if uh, the quarterback that they drafted last year doesn't really take hold, and I, in my opinion, if I were the Washington Redskins, I'm drafting to it too. If he's healthy, I am not sticking with that cat at all. Yeah. My opinion. Yeah, but. I don't know. A lot of people are down on Haskins, and it's funny because of what happened with Rose, and it set the precedent that if a team drafts a dude high and you're not feeling him, you don't need to stick with him. Haskins I mean, is that, rub, son. Yeah, and I, just, I don't know. I, I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I don't. I won't pretend like I watched enough of his games. I know what his stats look like just because of the fantasy aspect um, last year, but I, I think he still has some potential. we got to see what happens with him. The same thing like I played. They didn't really play great. But you don't know if it's a byproduct of the team they're on or if it's them. That's the hard part yeah. with these rookies, guys. Yeah. And I think that's what people from the outside looking in who don't know the Jets like Jet fans or watch the games, they might do the same thing to Sam. You know what I'm saying, Mike? Where they look at the stats, they look at some of the games. Like, And if you're a Jet fan, you're like, damn, man, you removed these two games he played bad. The guy is. It's a big year. It's a big year for young Sam. And like I said before, you know, he, we haven't done really good by him. But you know what, man? Look, it's year three, dude. You know, I understand you don't have the greatest offense, you don't have the greatest weapons around you and all that, but I expect a bigger leap this year than than uh, any time in his professional career, and I need consistency, I need more games like the game against the Raiders, a game against the Cowboys, um, and I think Sam is going to have his, his work cut out for him, and it's unfortunate coach that I believe would help him get to that point, but you know what's, you know what though? Keith, sometimes you just got to be great no matter what. You know what I'm saying? Like at my job, like sometimes I'm I got I'm put on a team with guys that are really not that great, and I just got to make magic work. You know what I'm saying? 
You know, you got Senor down there in Los Huevos. He's he doesn't get the best uh, 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 waiver pickups all the time, you know. But he makes it work. He makes it work. Wookie actually, he's known as the Deshaun Watson of where he works at the storage facility. That's where he he raises his game to that level every single day. Oh, 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 yeah, I definitely I sling it down the field at where I'm at. <laughs> All right, everybody, that's what we got for you this week. We'll be back at you next week with some NFL draft talk coming at you 2020. The following week will be the NFL draft. I cannot wait. This is the first fantasy episode of the year. We'll have more fantasy episodes after the draft and everything kind of simmers down and we get through all the players and go through all that. Um, Teams will be more settled. Draft picks will be on teams. Cam Newton, Jameis Winston will probably be on teams. So we're going to run through the positions like we did last year, running back, quarterback, wide receiver, etc. That'll probably be coming up uh, maybe in in May or beginning of June. But for now, everybody, stay safe out there. Stay quarantined. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Michael, if anyone does want to get at us, listen to us, or support us in any way, shape, or form... Well, everyone knows we're hosted on the Elite Sports Radio Network. We're pretty much on every single podcast platform, Podbean, you know, iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, all types of Spreaker. Uh, So follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast, on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas and the big stinking Wookiee Nicholas Cronk. My name is Keith Farrell. We'll get you next week. Peace out. Hey, this is Sean Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. Are you ready? Can't wait. The New York Jets. We beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Bird, very passionate. Bird, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff Andrew. Brady sucks! Don't be the suck! Don't believe it!